What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another wonderful episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. Danny, shut it off. The podcast, (laughs) it's running itself! (laughs) Oh, that's right, everybody. We have a very special episode for you tonight. Somewhat of an anniversary not quite but uh almost you know <laughs> we're we're celebrating here nonetheless yeah we've survived a hurricane covid broken microphones yet here we are with our 42nd episode and this will be our 1 year anniversary sometimes it feels like only yesterday right But other times it feels like an eternity ago that we recorded Basket Case in pieces. It feels longer than it is, you know, just all the growth that we've had and all the episodes that we've done. It doesn't, it feels like we've been doing it for longer than only a year. Yeah, we dropped our initial bundle of episodes on August 24th of last year. And we were so hyped that we immediately began working on our fourth episode. And that episode was Reanimator. We released that episode a year ago, almost to the day. But it's also just about a year ago to the day when Hurricane Ida destroyed our family home. And we had to deal with a whole new set of challenges and obstacles that were thrown in our way. We were actually knocked offline for about a month. But here we are. We're still doing it, Danny. Still bringing you the best horror podcast (laughs) bi-weekly. So we're still in it. We're still doing it. With this being our anniversary episode and almost a year since we covered Reanimator, Danny, what movie are we doing tonight? Well, we're doing From Beyond from 1986. Had you ever seen From Beyond before? Hadn't seen it. Uh, didn't really know anything about it uh, compared to Reanimator. Like, I knew about Reanimator and kind of what it was, but From Beyond is totally uh, a first time for me. Awesome. Well, you know what we haven't talked about in a while? The Mom and Pop VHS Horror Collection. And maybe some of the people listening haven't been with us since the beginning, so I thought we could give a bit of a refresher here. Back in 2000, our family moved to a small town outside of New Orleans. The mom-and-pop video store was pretty much a thing of the past by this time, but this town had a straggler. Not to say the place wasn't on its way out, because they were mainly selling their old rental tapes for for $10. I grew up in the mom-and-pop video store horror movie aisle, and I decided to begin a quest to recreate the essence of that aisle with my personal horror collection. I had a wealth of cheap horror movies at my fingertips now, so I set some rules. Since I wouldn't be relying solely on ZM Video, which is what this place was called, there was another mom-and-pop chain called Major Video that collapsed a little later. And then, obviously, I was using thrift stores and pawn shops. So the rules were simple. 
All movies had to be used, and no movie could cost more than $5. Some of my earliest additions to the collection were Basket Case, Pieces, Videodrome, Suspiria, Demons, Street Trash, Slaughter High, and one of my very first personal favorites, Reanimator. So naturally, when I came across the VHS copy of From Beyond, I bought it without question. I remember the cover being pretty weird with the mutated face of Dr. Edward Pretorius. And it's fitting because this movie's pretty fucking weird. I don't think it would be accurate to call Reanimator normal, but I do think it's fair to say that it's a bit more grounded than this gooey sci-fi affair. This movie basically rearranges everything from Reanimator. Barbara Crampton graduates from bubbly co-ed to still sexy as fuck mad scientist. Jeffrey Combs gets saddled with the straight man duties. Well, the Jeffrey Combs version of the straight man. And for the second week in a row, we're joined by the always wonderful Ken Forey. And where Reanimator is associated with the body and defeating death with a bit of humor, From Beyond is more about the mind and expanding consciousness beyond that of the physical, with sexuality thrown in in place of the comedy. We even swap neon green for neon pink, Danny. If I'm being completely honest, though, I did not immediately find myself loving this movie. It's definitely no reanimator, but that was probably the wrong way to look at it. I also wasn't a big fan of the actor who plays Dr. Edward Pretorius. He just didn't do it for me and paled in comparison to David Gale as Dr. Carl Hill. So it definitely took some time before the movie uh, resonated with me. But I'm happy to say that eventually I did come around to it and grew to really love and admire this movie. It was one of the first movies I added to my VHS horror collection. And funny enough, when I finally decided to start collecting horror again in the HD era, after I lost my mom-and-pop VHS horror collection, the Scream Factory release of From Beyond was yet again one of the first movies to join my collection. And if I had to guess... I think this movie is well on its way to getting a 4K treatment in the very near future. But before that, why don't we go ahead and flip the switch on that resonator, get our pineal glands nice and tingly, and celebrate from beyond. Just want to say you can follow us on Twitter. That's the number one place to keep up to date with everything that Fraternity is doing. Go over there, give us a follow, DM us, like our tweets, retweet us, anything to your heart's desire, you can go do on Twitter. And we have an email, any questions, comments, anything at all, email fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. I'm also now three weeks into the hashtag 100 horror movies in 92 days challenge on Twitter. How's that going for you? You enjoying it? Having a good time? I am having a good time. You know, I made that joke when I talked about it on our last episode, how I'd rather watch Sleepaway Camp 2 
for the 100,000th time than watch new movies. <laughs> and I was not exaggerating. You know this, Danny. <laughs> but it's been a great opportunity. I've seen some really excellent horror movies that I hadn't seen. And I can't wait to force you to watch them in future episodes. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I also want to let our listeners know that next month we're going to be doing a giveaway. And I want to tell you here so that if you're a listener, you're the first to know. And what we're going to be doing is we have a brand new copy of the recently released Child's Play 2 on 4K that we're going to give away. But to be in the running for it, you're going to have to leave us a written review on the podcast platform of your choice. And all you'll have to do is take a snapshot of your review before you actually post it and email it to us at fraternity at gmail.com. And then after a certain amount of time, we will use random number generators to assign numbers and figure out who's winning this 4K disc. So you heard it here first. And check the Twitter for future updates on this. So Danny, the movie kicks off with Jeffrey Combs as Crawford Tillinghast working on some machinery that we're going to come to know as the Resonator. He turns it on and experiences some sort of otherworldly sensation around his pineal. But then he notices a spectral eel swimming about the sky. And it isn't long before this thing attacks Crawford and takes a chunk out of his cheek. Crawford goes to tell his boss, Dr. Edward Pretorius, that the resonator is working. And the two of them head upstairs to turn the machine back on. Pretorius becomes overwhelmed by the sensation as Crawford pleads for him to turn it off because it's running itself. And Pretorius responds that something's coming before we exit this house as we notice the window shattering. We then see a nosy neighbor lady call the cops disturbed by the activity coming from the house. She steps outside and her dog runs toward the Pretorius house. She follows and ventures inside herself, heading upstairs and being startled by an axe smashing through the door. Now, she may be terrified, but that doesn't elevate her flight speed above that of a tortoise. We even get that comedic bit of Crawford passing her up as he too is running for his life. And then outside, the cops arrive and detain Crawford as we head inside and witness the dog licking at the twisted stump where Pretorius's head used to be. Q title card. Pretty solid introduction here. Yeah, great intro. Just establishes exactly what we're dealing with. But in a way, we have no idea what we're dealing with. <laughs> it's just so otherworldly and interesting. I feel like it hooks you in. Yeah, definitely. So Crawford's been locked up in a psych ward. And the DA's office brings in the lovely Dr. Catherine McMichaels to give an evaluation on his ability to stand trial. Now, I'm no expert on mental illness. I don't claim to know much about the history of insane asylums. All I know is 
they make for great ghost hunting TV programs. But I've noticed that often in horror movies, we get the scene of someone walking down a hall and one by one, the patients come to their doors and peer outside spouting gibberish. It's a little offensive to the mentally ill, don't you think? Especially because there's usually one whacking his willy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely always feels a little misguided when you see it in a film. And yeah, they're always like dirty or they just look plain stupid or silly. But I think this movie later on does a does kind of show a little bit of care for the mentally ill, but it's kind of required to have that let's look through the cells and find the crazy people scene. <laughs> All I'll say is they never put the best actors in these roles either. <laughs> right. But you know, speaking of psychobabble, Catherine meets Crawford, who tells her about their experiments in pineal gland stimulation before he tells her what happened to Pretorius with what may be the greatest Jeffrey Combs line of all time. It bit off his head like a gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> Just staring in, into the camera. That's such a good <laughs> shot, too. You know, some people say that you can't give 110%. They say that 100% is the maximum amount of effort that can be given. Those people have never seen a movie with Jeffrey Combs acting in it. Right. And we get to see, like, such different sides to his acting, too. Because Dr. Crawford is nothing like Dr. Herbert West. <laughs> but they're still just totally amped up in the performance, you know? Oh, yeah. Totally. And speaking of Herbert West, I really like what Barbara Crampton does because I feel like she really channels and delivers her own version of Herbert West here. Right. Yeah, totally. I could see that. They decide to give Crawford a CAT scan and they discover that his pineal is enlarged. And Catherine convinces the liaison from the DA's office to release Crawford to her. And she decides to return him to the Pretorius house so they can attempt to verify his claims. And they get joined by Bubba Brownlee, a detective sent to keep an eye on things, played by Ken Forey, who's just hamming it up. And he does a great job with this character, because I can't speak to what was on the page against what he brought. But this is the type of character that could have been unlikable or a throwaway, you know, like the skeptic type of role. But we get a really open-minded and thoughtful, fully realized character here. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, Bubba is instantly likable, and you instantly kind of get a read for what kind of person he is. You know, he is a skeptic and is kind of like just there to do his job. But he's also nice and caring and, you know is trying to help out in any way he can. And yeah, we have our trio here and it's uh it's fun times with the three of them, I think in these scenes. Yeah, I agree. So this trio head back to the Pretorius house and within a minute of entering, they manage to lose the mental patient. <laughs> and after turning the power back on, 
Catherine finds Bubba in Pretorius's bedroom, lured there by the sound of screams as a sex tape of the dearly departed doctor plays on a TV set. And it turns out Pretorius was quite the deviant S&M kink freak. He basically sleeps in the red room from Videodrome. So they finally find Crawford in the resonator room, wielding an axe. But it turns out he's simply reliving the night of the death. Back in the house now, he becomes more than eager to rebuild that resonator. And it's not long before he has the resonator rebuilt and ready to go. So Crawford warns Catherine and Bubba not to move while in the field. And as a safety precaution, he stands near this kill switch and the experiment begins. We witness the three become overcome by the sensations of the resonator. Crawford and Catherine look towards each other with some serious let's get down to business looks on their faces. And at the same time, Bubba notices the spectral eels in the air now accompanied by spectral jellyfish. And he foolishly approaches them. And one of those jellyfish latches onto him and takes a big bite out of his forearm. Crawford is about to turn the resonator off when he hears Pretorius call out to him before he emerges from the shadows. And this is where I've always been a bit confused here. Because I'm guessing this is the it, as it's referred to, that they encountered within the field. Like, it's absorbed Pretorius and has come to use him as his default appearance. Was that what you were picking up? Uh, honestly, it's all a bit confusing. <laughs> but I think your interpretation is probably the closest to reality. We have to remember it's Lovecraft and it's about things that are uh, beyond human comprehension. So maybe there is no answer. <laughs> yeah, well... I just think to how most of the creatures we see in the field are mindless animals. And it's a fair assumption that this is the first time humans have crossed over with the use of this resonator. So to me, it would seem only natural for this it to want to assume the identity of and use the higher functions of a human like Pretorius. But yeah, it's right. Yeah, they're they're fusing with the human and. Yeah, using the knowledge of humanity and yeah, something of that nature for sure. Good call, though. It is Lovecraft and the film does not go out of its way to explain it. And I think this is one of my issues with the movie originally is I just didn't understand what was going on here. Because, yeah, not to keep comparing it to Reanimator, but I feel like it's kind of the opposite movie of that where that's very straightforward very easy to watch anyone can watch it or this is just very heavy and you know a lot is left unsaid but it's kind of charming in that way and we're kind of in this one house for the majority of the movie with these three characters and a small cast and there's it's not really a battle of right or wrong it's just like here we are dealing with this with these things beyond our comprehension yeah it's it still remains beyond my comprehension because i'm not trying to harp <laughs> on it but it's like one could assume this is just pretorius but that doesn't make much sense because we saw him dead and 
Yeah. Well, he does say it was a trial that he had to go through. He had to die to become one with, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> opening his third <laughs> eye and becoming a part of uh, the jellyfish squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either way, he beckons them toward him. And Crawford complies, placing his hand on Pretorius's hairy shoulder and his fingers sink into this soft, gooey flesh. NECA, I'm asking right now, I want a naked, slimy Pretorius figure, please. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you could have multiple heads because right here, Pretorius peels away his own face. And he exclaims that his mind is indivisible while demonstrating molecular control by deconstructing himself. I love when his face becomes this mass of twitching tentacles. It's sort of like if your face was made of tadpoles, but the tadpoles were all trying to escape your face. Then his head just splits apart, causing Bubba to shoot six rounds in his direction for some reason. <laughs> And then Pretorius goes all Las Plagas here as goo spews from his neck before this giant creature sprouts from it. And that was a Resident Evil 4 reference for all you non-gamers out there. It's one of the few ways I can describe what is a pretty indescribable moment. It's hard to do it any sort of justice through spoken words, so that's HP Lovecraft for you, right? <laughs> Right, even the gore in this film just kind of leaves you thinking more than anything. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Before that creature can lunge towards him, Crawford flips the kill switch and turns off the resonator. And then we see the three of them discuss the events over bacon and eggs. And Crawford and Bubba are somewhat terrified, while Catherine is exhilarated. And she wants to push forward, much like Pretorius at the beginning. There's a great discussion on running the experiment again. And we get some character motivation for Catherine as she reveals that her father was a schizophrenic, who was basically turned into a vegetable through treatments. And it's her belief that there could be a correlation between the stimulated pineal and schizophrenia. Cooler heads prevail, though, and the three decide to get some rest before heading out since. They now know that Crawford isn't crazy. And so we get lots of sleep acting and forehead fondling <laughs> before Catherine wakes up and she's drawn to that resonator, Danny. She can't help herself. Crawford wakes up as soon as the resonator is turned on and he finds Catherine standing next to the machine. And you have to love the shot of Catherine in her nightgown standing next to the resonator. And the lighting reveals her figure underneath her clothes. Yeah, you got the wind machine going, blowing her nightgown. Looks great. She refuses to turn the machine off. So Crawford approaches, but she embraces him. And then Pretorius reveals himself. And now he's half Pretorius and half mass of twisted slimy flesh. He's kind of like... Grant Grant here. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Catherine gets grabbed by this monstrous version of Pretorius, who warns Crawford from turning off the resonator. And Crawford is forced to flee downstairs to pull the circuit breaker with Bubba. 
But they run into this giant worm creature that ends up swallowing Crawford. And at the same time, Pretorius rips open Catherine's nightgown. And while she may not be in danger of getting her vag eaten by a severed head, she does get molested as Mr. Stretchy Fingers over here fondles her breasts. <laughs> Barbara Crampton is not safe from old pervs in Stuart Gordon movies, is she? <laughs> not at all. Long fingers doing God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> His head then transforms and he begins to devour Catherine's head. And lucky for both Crawford and Catherine, Bubba is able to kill the power and rescue them. And Crawford is in pretty rough shape now because this worm has left some serious carpet burn all over his body and sucked all of the hair off of it, too. His, his hair is gone. He's bald now. Later, we see Crawford in bed in Pretorius's room and Catherine's applying cream to his sensitive wounds. And Bubba's decided that it's time for them to get out. So he goes to pack the van. Especially since it's still more than apparent that Catherine has lost her grip. And then things get awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine decides to play dress up with some kinky female clothes that she finds. And she has her eye on Crawford. And she starts fishing for some D under that blanket, Danny. You know... I think this scene made my pineal gland enlarge. <laughs> I will say it's really fun to watch Barbara Crampton transform from the modest doctor to this wildly sexual creature. But equally fun is watching Ken Forey's character have to rise to the occasion in resisting her advances. <laughs> right. Like, look at yourself. Forcing her to look in the mirror. Is this who you are? <laughs> You know, while all this is going on, Pretorius manages to turn the resonator back on from beyond, Danny. We get the use of the title in this movie. Of all movies to use the title in the movie, I was a bit surprised it popped up here. <laughs> yeah, not one you would expect, for sure. Bubba rushes upstairs to turn the resonator off, but electric shocks keep him from performing the task. And Crawford and Catherine join him, but they get attacked by a swarm of Cocoa Pebbles. <laughs> Otherworldly bees. <laughs> <laughs> Otherworldly bees, Cocoa Pebbles. Either way, these things wind up being racist because despite having ample time to kill Crawford and Catherine, they decide to kill Bubba and devour him in mere seconds. He had the most meat on him, okay? It was ripe and juicy. Well, he was stingy with the food. <laughs> we get some pretty nasty gore here, Danny. Bubba is mostly skeleton, but there's still some flesh oh, there. He tries to lift it. When he tries to lift his skeleton arms up. <laughs> yeah, that's always rough, isn't it? Yeah, that's just uh, unfortunate. Poor Bubba. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Pretorius appears. And now, I guess we could call him prehistoric Pretorius, 
since he's taken a <laughs> dinosaur-like appearance. <laughs> if you want to call it that, yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> this is the first time where we get the penis stalk popping out of their foreheads too, Danny. <laughs> and we witness a pineal stalk sprout from Crawford's head. Pretty, uh, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Crawford collapses as Pretorius attempts to drag Catherine off, but she manages to grab a fire extinguisher and douse the resonator in its foam, causing it to power down. It does turn back on ever so briefly to give us a little bit of a jump scare. But she finishes the resonator off. And now we return to the psych ward. And I think this is another issue I had with this movie. I still slightly do, I suppose. I just feel that it sort of throws off the pacing of the film. The movie is oddly paced as it is. Now, would the movie be better if it stayed at the Pretorius house? Hard to say. But it wouldn't hurt any more than this might have. What were your thoughts? Um, I don't necessarily think it's a problem with the pacing. I think it's more that the plot and motivations are all kind of abstract. Like at this point, it's kind of like, what are we working towards? Like we're in our third act and we've got Crawford with a... a penile gland sticking out of his forehead uh being a cannibal and then Catherine trying to escape and get back to the house it's all a bit weird i guess i don't know it just it, you're right i don't know if it would have been any better if it were to just stay at the pretorius house the whole movie i think it's more of just like a problem with the story itself and i don't think it's bad i think it's entertaining it's just very oddly structured and really all over the place. You know, for the most part, the structure is they turn the resonator on. Fantastical shit happens. They turn it off. Things get weird. Back to the resonator. You know, it goes back and forth. So there's not much happening. You know, we're in this one location with very little characters. And I also feel like this movie is so out there that it hurts it just to return to a bit of normalcy, like the psych ward, you know, like everything is so thrown yeah. off. Like they don't even overreact to the pineal gland when it pops out of his damn head. They're like, oh, that's whatever. <laughs> like, wouldn't you be like, okay, something They're just seriously. like, that's kind of weird, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's only got a bloody flexing butthole on his forehead now. Yeah, no, you're totally right that it... Yeah, it kind of brings it back to reality when we were so close to... I mean, we were already in, like, all this weird shit. And then it just kind of dials everything back and you're like, huh? Wait, what? <laughs> the ending somewhat saves it, but it's like... I don't know. It, kind of just went in a circle in if you kind of think about it yeah you know we do get the fantastic brain eating and eyeball sucking scenes so instead of dwelling on the negative why don't we discuss that 
<laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, we get Crawford waking up and he moves freely about the hospital. And the head doctor finds him in the pathology lab munching on some brains. Pretty disgusting. Lots of nasty bodily <laughs> fluid work going on here. <laughs> this doctor convinces him to stop. But before they can exit the lab together, Crawford turns on the doctor and starts sucking on her eye socket. I'm not quite sure what exactly is happening there, but it's quite unsettling. <laughs> Sucks the eyeball out, spits it onto the floor, and then I'm assuming uh, <laughs> just tonguing her eye hole, maybe trying to eat her brains or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All this while, too, Catherine is dangerously close to receiving electroshock treatment from some dude who is really eager to deliver it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but she gets saved by the exploits of Crawford. And that grants her an opportunity to escape. And then outside the hospital, Crawford spots Catherine driving away in a van. We then get this pretty haphazard sequence of Crawford eyeball sucking some medics. And he steals their ambulance while some puke covered wino watches and screams in terror. <laughs> So with that out of the way, we join Catherine back at the Pretorius house. And I'm not even going to venture a guess as to how she got a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, too. Like, where did this bomb come from? Not just a, any bomb either, Danny. This thing is Acme approved with multiple sticks of dynamite and a timer. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's really sealing. Like, <laughs> if you're going to ask realist questions of this movie, this is where reality really gets thrown out the window when the doctor shows back up with a stick of dynamite bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just absurd, but not in a in a good way. It's like, what is going on anymore? <laughs> She sets the bomb, and she goes to leave as we see the resonators attempting to turn itself back on. And in the hallway, Catherine is grabbed by Crawford and taken into Pretorius's dungeon, where she's tied up. And Crawford makes a move for her eyeball. But Catherine pulls out the oldest trick in the book, Danny. The old peni bite. <laughs> <laughs> Bites his pineal stalk clean off. You think that hurt? That definitely hurt. That Twizzler was bleeding. <laughs> gushing blood. It may have hurt, but it snaps him out of his otherworldly instinct-driven state, just in time to witness Pretorius getting his hands on Catherine. So, a lot like Herbert West, Danny, it's the perfect time for Crawford to hit Pretorius with some embarrassing open discussion on how his dick doesn't work. <laughs> After that, a chase ensues down the stairs and we see Pretorius transform into what I'm guessing is the natural state of the it. It's like some sort of alien pterodactyl monster, Danny. <laughs> is that somewhat accurate? Yeah, 
That's uh, about as accurate of a description as you can give. But I don't. It, it's it's a little un, it's a little underwhelming. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> this thing flies at Crawford, gets a hold of him, and we get to witness how this it bit off Pretorius's head, as it does the same to Crawford because. I don't know if you noticed, but when we saw Pretorius's dead body, the neck is like twisted. Yeah, you can see the twist marks. Yeah. And to, to actually witness it happen to Crawford is pretty good, I will say. Despite this creature reaching the end of Hellraiser's monster level of absurdity, <laughs> <laughs> the head bite. And twist of the neck is pretty good. Then, for some reason, the spectral eels decide to release Catherine from her bonds. And she attempts to flee, but stumbles across the headless corpse of Crawford before getting chased upstairs by the it. And we end up back in the resonator room with 30 seconds to go before this bomb explodes. And Catherine is confronted by the Pretorius monster again. She's face to face with it when fingers suddenly emerge from its mouth. And next thing you know, Crawford forcefully emerges from this mass of alien flesh. He too has been absorbed now, and he's sharing the flesh and the consciousness with Pretorius. That's what's going on here, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I can only assume, but that sounds right to me. Yeah, we witnessed the two of them battling over control of the molecular structure of their being until they literally dissolve into a massive goo. And for some reason, now there's two human skeletal frames and they're <laughs> nipping at one another till the bitter end. This is another scene full <laughs> of incredible effects that is hard to deliver justice through. Our mere description. Yeah, just the imagery of the two skeleton worms biting at each other, nipping at each other. It's just so weird. You just have to love it. I know I love it. I definitely love it too. And what I also love is this gives Catherine the opportunity to escape. But the only means of escape is leaping from a high window during this massive 80s house explosion. And she hits the ground below and experiences some rather gruesome compound fractures in both of her legs, Danny. Oh, man. This is just nasty. Oh, yeah. The worst one is one of her leg bones has seemingly just broken right through her kneecap and come out of the skin. Oh, yeah. You can see the kneecap, and it's just... The bone isn't connected, and it's just gory. <laughs> and now there's dirt and debris in it, you know. Oh, man. Yeah. How do you fix that? Yeah, that's a rough one, man. And... For a house that seemed pretty out in the middle of nowhere, pretty big crowd gathers. <laughs> right. And Catherine echoes Crawford's statement from 
the beginning of the movie when she tells the crowd, it ate him before her cries of pain turn into hysterical laughter, implying that she has indeed lost her mind in this process. And that's the end of our movie. So, Danny, what are your thoughts on From Beyond? From Beyond is quite the weird movie. (laughs) There's a lot I like about it. There's plenty of iffy stuff that we mentioned. But I think overall, it's pretty damn enjoyable. You've got good performances and great special effects. And if you're looking for something that isn't so straightforward and is a little bit more heady than your average horror movie, I think you'll enjoy your time with it. Is there any deeper meaning to all of this that goes on in the story? I'm not sure. (laughs) And I'm also not sure if I want to give the time to really ponder that question. But I think this is a good movie that I'll return to and maybe have more of an opinion on it. But for right now, I think it's fun. You think it was the right choice for our one-year anniversary? Yeah, absolutely. It uh, feels like we could have did this movie all the way back then and had just as good an episode, but I'm glad we're doing it here. All righty, man. Well, you know, we've been doing it since the beginning. And this marks a year's worth of favorite kills and favorite scenes. So why don't we start with favorite kill and you give us yours, Danny? Well, my favorite kill... I have to go with Bubba. You know, you hate to see him go. Such a lovable dude. (laughs) Gets eaten alive by those cuckoo pebbles. (laughs) But he does save Catherine and Crawford. So it wasn't in vain. And, I mean, I just love seeing Bubba laying there and he's more skeleton (laughs) than me at this point and trying to move his body and and best he can and kind of just sitting there accepting his death it's just great imagery awesome special effects yeah that's a great choice and another movie that is a little limited in the choices (laughs) right so sean did you have a favorite kill i'm gonna have to go with the eyeball-sucking death of the Doctor, played by Carolyn Purdy Gordon. (laughs) That's actually Stuart Gordon's wife. And she appears in almost all of his movies. But in these first three features, he makes her progressively more unlikable. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what a good husband, right? (laughs) She's not in reanimator enough to dislike her, but she's mildly annoying. (laughs) And she has a knack for it. And she just has that perfect look. Like, she has a really good resting bitch face. Right, totally. And here in From Beyond, her character graduates to quite unlikable. And then in the movie Dolls, which was filmed at the same time as this, she's just a total bitch. (laughs) 
So as incredible as the death of Bubba is with all those nasty special effects, there's something about seeing a character that you dislike getting theirs. Plus, it may not be grotesque, visually speaking, but it's just downright bizarre with the eyeball sucking. Like, it's unsettling. And we get that great shot of blood dripping down on our feet while we can hear the slurping. That kind of stuff will always get to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's rightfully disturbing and nasty for sure. Alrighty, man. How about a favorite scene? Is that resonator on or off? I think for most people, that resonator is going to be in the on position. And my favorite scene, I got to go with the final time it's on in this finale here. We kind of talked about how Pretorius is progressively getting nastier and nastier. But I really do appreciate the makeup, and I like his acting, and I like how he just gets more and more blob-like and disfigured. (laughs) And in this scene, too, we have this battle between Pretorius and Crawford trying to take host of whatever it is they're hosting, and Crawford trying to save Catherine and just that battle going on that is pretty much beyond our comprehension is just fun you know it's just really creative and different so I appreciate it and like I was talking about earlier you have those skeletons nipping at each other and I really love that shot of Crawford coming out of the mouth of Pretorius and emerging like a newborn baby and he's like, (laughs) Catherine, run! So this scene really goes all out and I think I just love fleshy masses in in horror films. You know, you got Grant Grant and here you've got the Pretorius nightmare. Whoa, Danny. (laughs) Danny, this this is an all-ages podcast. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's a great choice and We also kind of skipped over it, but even the house goes through a bit of a transformation that is well done and awesome, too. Yeah, there's like water going down the stairs. (laughs) Yeah, and I I guess that's almost strobing lights. (laughs) (laughs) It's just enough, you know. Right. Well, I love that you picked the last time they turned on the resonator. Because I picked the first. You know, this movie is somewhat sexual. And as they say, you never forget your first time, Danny. (laughs) I think you did a great job of explaining how things get more bizarre, more grandiose. The special effects just become so spectacular. But that just does not stop the first time our trio turn on the resonator from being my favorite scene. Of all the scenes in the movie, this one has just always stuck with me. Bubba encountering the spectral eel and getting bit by the jellyfish. The group's first encounter with the otherworldly Pretorius with his 
shimmering, slimy, tight ass. <laughs> Plus, he's a little curvy too. <laughs> Again, I have to tell NECA I want my naked Pretorius doll and I want hair on it all over it. <laughs> and I kind of harped on it before, but my favorite shot of the whole movie is that one angled from behind Pretorius when his face has all those miniature tentacles sprouting from it. I just think that looks so awesome. Plus, lastly, I guess this is where the movie truly establishes its identity. Things don't really get going until this moment, and it definitely sets the tone for the rest of the movie really well. And I guess that's all I have to say about From Beyond. Yeah, that's a great scene. Anytime they turn the resonator on, it's good shit. <laughs> Just fun and creative. So, yeah, that is From Beyond. All right. Well, that was our one year anniversary. That's going to wrap the month of August up for us. Remember to go check our Twitter on that giveaway we're doing next month and next month we are going places that's right each movie's title refers to a place they're two great movies and we can't wait to bring them to you on our continuing road to Halloween thank you for listening tune in next time we'll have another great episode and good night